Um, I just want to share something with you that's um, on my heart. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to read to you verses 24 through 30. As you're turning there, I want to say that it has just been an amazing journey. I was here just uh, last month in February. It's been just a month ago, but to me it seems like it's been so much longer just because I've been busy doing some things. And uh, it's just truly just been a wonderful thing. There was a lady that came up to me at uh, one church. I didn't even know where she was going to church anymore because she had changed churches. And she came up to me after service, and she said, I just want to tell you that uh, I used to be a drug addict, but after hearing your testimony, I decided to give my heart to the Lord. Amen. Amen. I say that for God's glory, and I just want to encourage you to always share your testimony with people. Sometimes we want to hold it to ourselves because we're embarrassed of things that we've done in the past or the things that we've been through in the past, but you will never know how you sharing your testimony and what God has brought you from and delivered you from, how that can help and free somebody else. And um, last thing I'll say, then I'll dive into the word, is uh, Jonathan didn't even know this, but I really appreciate him just sharing his heart a few minutes ago. Everything that he said talking about Teen Challenge and serving goes right along with my sermon because tonight I'm talking about servanthood. He didn't even know, honestly. Some guys I preach for, they want to know my text, title, sermon points before I preach it, which is fine. Jonathan never asked me just because he has faith. I'm just going to share whatever God has laid on my heart. So he didn't even know that. But what he shared goes perfect with my sermon. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, I'll be reading to you verses 24 through 30 out of the King James Version. But I trust in the Lord that I also that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger that when he, that he ministered to my wants, for he longed after you and was full of heaviness because that ye he had heard that he had been sick, that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick not unto death, but God had mercy on him, not on him only, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, therefore, the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, but the work but because of the work of Christ, he was not unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. My message here tonight is the servanthood of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Amen. Try to say his name five times fast. Amen. Servanthood of Epaphroditus. If you would, please bow your hands with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you have your way here tonight. Lord, I pray that you will just soften all of our hearts and our spirit, Lord, toward the loss. Because, Lord, you have called us all to be servants. And, Jesus, you were the servant of all. You left heaven and came down to earth to give your life as a ransom. And, Lord, I pray that you will give us all a gentle spirit, that we will reach out to the lost, and we will be servants of Jesus Christ. Have your way here tonight, Lord. In your mighty name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. Epaphroditus, 
he is not a very popular person. He is only mentioned in one book in the entire Bible. You only see his name in three different times in that book, in the book of Philippians. He was not popular. He was not somebody famous like Moses. He wasn't famous like David or like Paul. But yet he played a vital role in the kingdom. He played a role of servanthood. This is something that we have all been called to do. Regardless of your calling, whether you're evangelist, prophet, teacher, or whatever your calling may be, whether you teach the kids on Wednesday night, on Sunday mornings, whether you work with youth, whether it's to be a missionary, whether your ministry is being an usher or working the sound or, or whatever it might be, wherever you fit in in the body of Christ, we are all called to be servants. Servanthood is not exactly a fun thing all the time because it's not always a position that will get you a title. It's not always something that will get you recognition. At times, you may do something for your church evangelist. You may do something for the youth group. You may do something for somebody, and nobody even knows about the deed that you did. But you must remind yourself that what you're doing, you're not doing it unto man, but you're doing it to God, and God sees all. There are a lot of people that they don't want to be servants. They don't want to participate in servanthood, but simply they just want to be on the stage, so to speak. They just want to be in the spotlight. They just want to have everybody look at them. But my friends, that's a scary place to be because no matter what you are doing, it should never be about people seeing you. It should be about when people see you that they see Jesus and that what you do, you do in the name of the Lord to bring all glory to God. So that when people see your good works, as Jesus said, that they will glorify your father that is in heaven. Servanthood is something that we are all called to do. It is not simply just a random act of kindness. It is not a one-time thing. It is nothing that you ever graduate from, but simply it should be a lifestyle. Servanthood. I can remember I was called to preach when I was 15 years old. But before I ever started, I can remember that I made up my mind that I was going to serve my youth pastor and pastor however I could. Whatever they needed me to do, whatever they wanted me to do. I can remember when Larry Craig was my pastor, if I didn't want to serve, I didn't have an option because he was going to have me do it one way or another. So I learned a lot about serving. But I want to tell you that you have to have this mentality that whenever the pastor asks you, whenever the youth pastor asks you, whenever somebody else or authority or a person of authority asks you to do something, that you don't say, why are they coming to me again? Why don't they ask somebody? else didn't they just see everything that I did but simply you ought to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do this for God but at times people only want to do the things that get them known 
in this social media age, it's all about getting your name known. It's all about how many followers do you have. You have some people that are, should I say, social media famous. They're not famous in real life, but they're famous on the internet. But my friends, what goodness does it matter if you have over 50,000 or even some people that I follow, they have over 100,000 followers on Twitter and then on Instagram. What difference does it really make if you're not telling people about Jesus, if you're not being a servant? For might I tell you that Jesus himself was a servant and he did not come to be served, but to give his life as a ransom. One thing about a servant, a servant is somebody that walks in humility. Humility is a hard thing at times. Can I tell you that pride is one of the worst sins? Can I tell you that pride is the very sin that got Satan cast out of heaven? What did he say? He said, I will become like the most high. He became very prideful. My friends, we need to let go of our pride and we need to become servants again. For might I remind you that when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, there was one disciple by the name of Peter that said, you will not wash my feet. My friends, we must become servants. Here it is. The Philippians, Paul was writing to them in verse 24, and he said, but I trust in the Lord that I may also come to you shortly. Here it is that Paul is wanting to come to them because he has a love for them. Paul is a great leader. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and I find his testimony to be very extraordinary. Here it is, a man that was committing men and women in prisons. He was wreaking havoc on the church when he was formerly known as Saul. Here it is, he goes from that and makes a change and becomes a great apostle Paul, and he becomes this great leader in the church. But one thing about a great leader is a great leader is a servant. See, you cannot have leadership without having relationships. Amen. What difference does it make if you're the best preacher in the room or the best singer if you've got your nose up in the air but you can't even talk to people after service? Paul had a love for people. Paul had a love for the churches. And it's because of this love that when he would find himself in prison for preaching the gospel, when he had been beaten, when he was hungry, when he was cold, when he was abandoned all by himself, he would write them letters of encouragement, encouraging them and their walk with God because of his love for them. Paul speaks very highly of these two men. First, he speaks highly of Timothy. Then he speaks highly of this man by the name of E. We're just going to call him E for short. I've said his name right thus far, but we're just going to call him E for short. In verse 25, he calls him, he says, he's my brother. Growing up in denominational churches, it's not very unusual for us to hear the term or the name brother or sister. That's what we call our pastors. My first pastor, his name was Lewis Bunn, so we called him Brother Bunn. But didn't just call him Brother Bunn, but we called everybody brother or sister. Why? It's not just because he's a minister, but simply it's because we are all brothers and sisters of, in Christ. Red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in his sight. How many of you understand that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and one day we're going to spend all of eternity together? He says that he's my brother. 
How many of you know and understand that whenever your brother falls down, you're to pick him up? Whenever your brother feels weak, that's not when you throw stones at them. That's not when you condemn them, but simply you tell them, you say, I know you've messed up, but now it's time you get up in the name of the Lord and you put one foot in front of the other and keep on going. Amen. The people that are sitting around you are not just people that you come to church with. They're not just people that you fellowship with, say, on a Friday night or every once in a while. But simply the person sitting beside you is your brother and sister in Christ. Let's just be honest. You may not even like some people in this room. There are, there are times that we don't like people in our own families. But it doesn't matter. They're still your brother. They're still your sister. And we got to watch out for one another. He says that he's my companion in labor. How many of you know that we are all called to be laborers for the Lord? That we all have assignment to do, and there's a lot of work to be done. Amen. He says, and one thing I'll say about labor, if you don't go to bed at night tired, that means you didn't work hard enough. Amen. Do you work hard for the Lord? Do you tell people about him? He goes on to say, my fellow soldier. In 2 Timothy 3 and 4, it says, Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. How many of you know and understand that the day you got saved, you were enlisted into the Lord's army? Every man in my family has gone into the military except for me. But even though I've never been in the Navy, even though I've never been in the National Guard, I've never been in the Army of any of those things, I am still enlisted in the Army, and I'm enlisted for my Lord. And I want to tell you that I will not be discharged. I will not give up. I will not quit. But simply, my friends, that when you're enlisted into his Army, that it is a fight that you are in to the day that you die. For how many of you know that we, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But I want to tell you it's a spiritual fight that we are in. But I want to tell you if you're a child of God, if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, you don't have to be afraid of any demon in hell. You don't have to be afraid of any principality. Now I want to tell you that friends, you have authority. And I want to tell you that we've got to take back what the devil's tried to take in for far too long. And I want to tell you that we're all called to be difference makers amen we are soldiers for the lord if the devil wants a fight it's a fight he's gonna get notice one thing about the military the first thing that they do they send you away for six weeks at a time they send you away to basic training why it's because well, well, well essentially it's kind of like they torture you but really they're getting you into shape they put you on a strict diet they wake you up at four in the morning they, they, they train you they condition you they get you strong my friends it's the same way spiritually you can't be like the seven sons of sever in, in, in Acts chapter 19 I believe it is 
shoulders and then just walk up and try to cast a devil out of somebody. And that thing says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And that thing beat them up and they ran out of the house naked. My friends, but I want to tell you that if you're a child of God and filled with the Holy Ghost and you're living right and you have a walk with God and living with integrity in the spirit, my friends, I want to tell you that you can cast devils out of people. I want to tell you when you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. My friends, I want to tell you that we have weapons that are not carnal, but very mighty for pulling down strongholds. Amen. Every time you hear of a teenager committing suicide, it ought to bother you because they didn't know that they had hope. They didn't know that God had a purpose and a plan for their life. My friends, I want to tell you here tonight that we are all called to be soldiers for the Lord. And I'm just going to say it as plain as I can be, God doesn't need any cowards. But he needs people that will stand up for him and be bold for him in the workplace, at school, the supermarket, wherever you go, whatever you do, stand up for the Lord. He says that he is his messenger. I'm sorry. He says that he's your messenger and that he ministered to my wants. If you flip over a page to Philippians chapter 4, 18, it explains that exactly what he's talking about. Philippians 4 and 18, but I have all, this is Paul talking, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received from E, the things which were sent from you, an order of sweet of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. What is he talking about when he said he ministers to his wants or to his need? He's talking about that what he did was is he took money from the Philippians and he brought it to Paul. Here it is. He left where he was. He left everything that was comfortable, simply to go. He traveled all the way from Philippi to Rome to where Paul was to be in jail. And he took him money and ministered to his wants. My friends, a servant is somebody that can minister to the wants of others. Not just necessarily with money, because the truth be told, people are always going to need money. Amen. We can't always meet everybody's financial need, but we can meet people's spiritual needs and lead them to Jesus. He ministered to his wants. A servant is one that is not, is not compelled to think about themselves, but simply they are concerned about the lives of others. So here it is. He cares for Paul, and he goes to where Paul is, and he meets his need. In verse 26, he says, For he longed after you and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. Here it was that he had become very sick. And the people were concerned about him because they were unable to be with him because of the distance. But aren't you thankful, though, that the story doesn't stop there? He wasn't just a little sick. This was beyond the flu. This was beyond a common cold. But the Bible says in verse 27, for indeed he was sick unto death. But God, aren't you thankful for the buts? Amen. I should have been a statistic, but... They said I would never make it, but 
Can I tell you, friends, that God always has the final say-so? It don't matter what man says. It don't matter how many times people write you off or say you're not going to make it or you can't do this or your dreams are too big for God or God can never use somebody like you. My friends, I want to tell you, whenever somebody tells you that negative report, put a comma and tell them, but God has the final say-so. The Bible says, but God had mercy on him. I want to tell you, friends, that God is still the healer. Amen. He has not changed, for he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. 28 years ago to this day, 11 a.m., I was born, was having seizures every 30 seconds. Doctor said I'd never walk, never talk, so I'd be mentally retarded. And look at me now, 28 years later. That's what the doctor said. But God. Amen. I'm looking forward to the next 28 years, should the Lord tarry. Honestly, he may not. But here it is that God healed him, and he was almost sick unto death. My friends, I want to tell you that it is amazing that God is still healing people. He has not changed. One person said, I don't believe that prayer is important anymore. One person said, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe in healing. And I'm thinking of myself, my goodness, just look at me. Look at what God has done. And then, some, then at times I've argued with these people and they say, well, how do you know that you really had all that? How do you know somebody just didn't make all that up and, and tell you all of that? I'm thinking to myself, do you even hear what you're saying when you're speaking? Like somebody would just make all of that up. I can remember when I used to be on seizure medicine up to I was about 11, 12 years old. I used to take Depakote sprinkles if you want to know Pacifics. But then one day, I didn't have to take it anymore. I can remember when I was in middle school, I used to beg my mom. I said, Mom, let me play football. Mom, I, I want to be a head router. I want to be a linebacker. I want to knock somebody out. And she said, son, she said, you can't do it because of your trauma in the past. She said, the doctors are saying it's not looking good. So I had to go to this doctor. He referred me over to this one. Had to go over this one. Had all these different scans done. And they said, ma'am, they said, we don't know what the doctor said back then, but it looks like he's fine today. Let him go play football. And I want to tell you, I played all four years of high school, went to try to play college division two, hurt my shoulder. And so it wasn't the will of God. But friends, I want to tell you this, that we've got to keep on keeping on. I want to tell you that God is still healing people. Whenever somebody needs uh, healing, friends, I want to tell you, don't be afraid. Lay your hands on them and say in the name of Jesus, heal Amen. Do you realize how anointed you are? Amen. I know the Bible says call forth the elders of the church and lay hands on them. But can I just tell you the truth? I don't have anything that you don't have. If you have the Holy Spirit, we have the same thing. Because the Bible says the spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. Amen. Has there ever been a time before one of your loved ones had a fever and you laid your hand on their forehead and began praying? Do you have that kind of faith? Amen. If you go on a mission trip in another country, you better have faith. Seriously. Jetson Franklin one time, he said, I think he said he was in Africa preaching. He looked down and there was a puff at her. If you don't know what that is, that's a snake, not just any kind of snake, that's a viper. My friends, you think healthcare in America is bad. <laughs> what do you think it's like in some foreign places? 
You have no choice but just to believe God. Amen. What kind of faith do you have? Can I tell you that when it comes to faith and praying for the sick or simply praying for something or believing God, can I tell you, friends, it's not the amount of faith that you have to have. Amen. It's awesome to have great faith because there were times that Jesus did miracles for people and he, and he would talk about how great their faith was. But can I tell you, it's not the amount of faith because Jesus also said the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. But what it is is that some people have got so much doubt. They've got so much worry. They have so much unbelief they don't believe. But I want to ask you here tonight, can you get rid of the doubt? Can you get rid of all the unbelief and just simply believe God? It's not radical. It's just what God has called us to do, to have faith. Here it is that he said that God also had mercy on him as well. At least he would have sorrow upon sorrow. Aren't you thankful that God has had mercy on you? Amen. Where would we be today without his grace and his mercy? Here it is that Paul, he also says, to receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold in reputation. This is the letter that he gave to him to take back to the Philippians. Paul thought a lot of this man, and basically he was telling the people of Philippians to give him a hero's welcome. And one thing that I really just find awesome is the last verse, verse 30. Because of the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. What kind of man is this? That the Bible says literally word for word that he didn't even have any regard for his own life. Because he wanted to go and minister for Paul. What greater love than the love of the life that one can lay down for his brother? My friends, we've got to be serious about the work of God. And can I tell you that God will take care of you? God is faithful. Amen. How is it that this man, could be such a servant? How is it that this man had such a love for Paul to go through all of this? Another thing that we can learn about servanthood is that talk is cheap. Amen. It's one thing to say I love you to somebody. People say it all the time. But at some point, you have to have some action behind it so that people can actually see it. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, sorry, I'm used to preaching on my other Bible. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation to take up upon himself the form of a servant. 
and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. My friends, I want to tell you that Jesus is our prime example. In verse 6 that I just read to you, he gave up his divine form. He became like a man. He became a servant. He was obedient in verse 7, even to the point of death. Remember when he's in the garden praying and he's saying, Lord, he's saying, God, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass. And he died by the way of the cross, which was a terrible kind of death. Just think about that. Jesus left heaven, and he humbled himself. We're talking about the one that didn't have to humble himself, but he did. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the only begotten Son of God, a member of the Godhead and the Trinity, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, gave his life as a ransom for many. My friends, Jesus was the ultimate servant. He was the ultimate example of servanthood. As I was thinking a moment ago when Jonathan was talking about Teen Challenge and, and, and about that, I, I was thinking about this, that a lot of times we spend our lives avoiding the very people that Jesus was seeking after. Think about the woman at the well. She asked him, why are you talking to me? And he told her, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of my water, you'll never thirst again. My friends, we're all called to serve. So let's think about this in a practical sense. Who is somebody that you can serve this upcoming week? More specifically, who can you serve tomorrow? Because one thing is, if you start thinking about who can you serve next week, when next week comes, you're not going to even think about it or do it. But one thing about Jesus is Jesus always calls for immediate action. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus one time, when he told people to follow me, when he told the disciples, when he told Peter, when he said, follow me, what does the Bible said? That he followed him immediately. There was one time that Jesus told somebody to follow me and, or follow him, and, he, and one person said, Lord, let me return back and, and, and bury my father. And what did he say? He said, let the dead bury their own dead. Was Jesus being rude? No. Was he being mean? No. Well, was he being hateful? No. What was the reason and the point behind what he was saying? Simply, he was showing that when you follow him, is immediate call to action. You don't put it off. You don't wait till next week, but simply you do it right here and now. Who is somebody that you can serve tomorrow? 
You know, so many times we think about revival, we think about in the context of church and, and services and different things and it breaking out. And we think that the only way that revival can happen, the only way that it can break it out is if we have an evangelist come and he preaches a revival. And then all of a sudden we get so many new people in the church. Then one day we build a new building and this and that. And people think that's the only context of revival. But you want to know what revival actually is? It's not what happens between these four walls. No, no, that's not revival. My goodness, I don't mean this any kind of way, but we can hoop, power, fall out in the floor, do back flips and cartwheels and not have revival at all. But revival is when you go into the workplace. It's when you go into school and you tell everybody about Jesus. What's a practical thing you can do? There was one girl that did this. Everybody, her work was very mean, very hateful to her because she was a Christian. They were all liberal, all, all agnostic and atheist, didn't want to have anything to do with her. So what did she do? She stopped one morning. She took everybody in the office coffee. At first, they were a little skeptical because they knew how mean they had been to her. And they were thinking, did she spit in it? What did they do? Or, or what did she do to it? And she brought everybody coffee, did it time after time. And, and they started thinking to themselves, why is she spending her own hard money bringing us coffee when we've been mean to her? We've talked bad about her. We've ran her name in the ground. There's been days she's left the workplace in tears because of us. They asked her, what do you want in return? Her response, I just want to tell you about Jesus. From that moment on, everybody that was mean to her completely changed. Amen. Bought her coworkers coffee. Don't go to Starbucks. You'll spend $50. Go to McDonald's, someplace cheap. It's a simple little thing. Didn't cost a lot of money. She didn't buy them some expensive gift. Just a cup of coffee after they were hateful to her. My friends, when you learn to become a servant, there are so many different ways that you can serve. That's just one practical example. But, but there are so many other ways you can serve people. If, if there's an elderly person in your subdivision or, or somebody that lives beside you, my goodness, offer to cut their grass for, offer to cut their grass. And when they try to pull out the, the pocketbook or the checkbook or they pull out cash, tell them, say, no, thank you. I just want to do this. And, and then when they ask why, you can tell them why. My friends, there are so many ways that you can serve. There are so many practical, so, so many good things that you can do to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's by serving that it gives you the avenue because the doors will begin to open. Amen. Servanthood. It's not that we don't have the opportunities. It's not that we can't do it or it's too hard for us or that it's out of the scope of our personalities. It's just simply will you do what God has called us to do? Because that's what he's called all of us to do. Servanthood. Will you do it? Amen. Can I tell you, people, they know about things that you do out in the open. But God knows what you do in the close. Amen. Nowadays, you have people, they go down to... Um, downtown Birmingham to do some type of outreach ministry or work. 
feeding the homeless or whatever. It's great and wonderful, but I can't help but to notice they're taking like 50 pictures every five seconds. I'm thinking to myself, how are you telling anybody about God if you're taking selfies every five minutes? Amen. Servanthood. You don't do it so people will see you. God sees all. And if he sees all, that's good enough for me. If you will, please stand. We are all called to serve. This man that I preached on tonight never had a book written about him. He's not popular. Truth be told, some of you maybe have never even heard of him. He's not even preached on. But he was important to Paul because he had a servant's heart. Amen. Do you have a servant's heart here tonight? Here tonight, I just want to open up the altars, and I just want to ask you just to examine yourself and think of, I want you specifically just pray and ask the Lord, how can you be a better servant? Amen. At work, at school, at your house, how can you better serve here at Evangel? Can I tell you one thing that's awesome about the leadership here? Here, if you want to serve, Jonathan, he's not going to shoo you away and say no. He loves people that want to serve. The best quality of a good leader is that they raise other leaders up. Amen. We lead by serving, and we serve by leading. God's calling you to be leaders, but first we got to serve. Amen. Here tonight, if you'll put some worship music on, I just want to encourage you just to ask the Lord how you can be a better servant. And my prayer for you tonight as individuals and as a whole is that you just continue to reach out to this community, to Teen Challenge, to the people that are all around Mount Olive, and let it flow up into Bagley, down into Gardendale and Fultondale, around in the corner. Let it flow all over the place so that people will hear about Evangel Assembly of God. That if you're hurting, if you're struggling spiritually, if you have hit the rock bottom, that is the place to go. Amen. It's a spiritual hospital. Amen. 